I want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today joining us is Kelsey Davis, who's the founder and CEO at Collective. Let's jump in and get to know Kelsey. Kelsey, welcome. How are you? I'm doing swell. And yourself? Listen, it's exciting. The weather's been nice. The pollen's been not so bad. It was bad earlier. But all is good. All is good so far. That's awesome. So I want to start off, Kelsey. I see you got a Syracuse sweatshirt on. Tell us a little bit. Yeah, tell tell us a little bit about where you're from, which is not Syracuse. And then I want to ask you about Syracuse. So tell us about where you're from. Yeah, so it all started in Atlanta, Georgia. Grew up on the north side of Atlanta in Cobb County, Kennesaw specifically. And yeah, I just kind of grew up at the intersection of media and business. I had a, a parent, one who was a CPA, the other who kind of worked on the, the media business side of things at CNN. And so I kind of grew up kind of always wanting to learn how could I kind of use storytelling, but to kind of push things forward in a larger landscape. I knew that I hated journalism uh, and I w- didn't really want to get into that life, but I love the idea of being able to have an idea and a vision visually, and then being able to take that from your brain and then to be able to articulate that out on screen for other people to then digest as an audience. So at the time, that then personified itself through film. I think now my desire to do that happens through entrepreneurship. But yeah, that kind of desire for me then led an academic route towards Syracuse University, where I went to the Newhouse School of Public Communications to study television, radio, and film. And then I minored in innovation design and startups at Syracuse. And I just really wanted to be somewhere that was a very holistic environment. You know, I'm someone who, you know, I, I like sports. I, yeah, I care about class. I care about social life. I care about, you know, learning, you know, how can I meet alum, whatever. And I wanted a school that kind of personified all of those things. And that also was in a network that I felt like you know, I wanted to be a part of post-graduation. And so Syracuse just reflected that. And it took me a thousand miles away from home, which I enjoyed. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. That's exciting. And I, I want to ask you a little bit about your family. You know, you mentioned having family kind of in the media space, and certainly it sounds like they influenced, you know, a little bit about what you wanted to do early on, and you've taken it to absolutely where you want to go, which is exciting. How do you think that sort of impacted who you are today and having those influences and in some of that direction so early on? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm super fortunate and privileged to just have two parents who from the beginning, they were always very, hey, look, I don't, I don't really care what you do, but you do need to be in the 1% of that <laughs> and make sure that like you really put in your 10,000 hours. And I don't care if that's basketball. I don't care if that's film. I don't care if that's entrepreneurship. And I always felt like I had a safe space and a freedom to explore that playground of what, you know, efficacy around work looked like for me. And so, you know, fortunately, I, I also went to a high school that gave me the opportunity to, you know, we had to have like a vocational like major if you will, at our school. And so film was the route that we chose. And so it was the first time really, even though my parents, yes, you know, were in the, the industry in a certain type of way, it was the first time I got to experience my relationship with them in that type of capacity, right? Yeah. Where it's, you know, you have your mom, your dad, and you know, what that means to you as a kid. And that's kind of outside of the relationship of the value that maybe you think that you could be receiving based on what you actually want to do with, with your future, right? And so yeah. I think for me, it was a, a great time for me to just learn a lot of things from my parents and to become a student, not only of the material that I was learning, but really the environment around that. And I think that's something that my parents could be super, super helpful at. You know, I started you know, like an LLC in high school, like my mom helped me with all the like tax stuff and all the information on that. And 
I never thought that I'd really get super value out of, you know, my mom being a CPA in that way, but it, it came in clutch in that capacity. And then similar things cool. when it came towards me, you know, selling things in a media capacity, having my dad operate in that type of role at CNN, I think in a, in an interesting way that actually became super helpful. And they were always very, you know, leaning in into figuring out how they could be a resource in those more extracurricular type of ways. That's cool. Kelsey, I've got to ask you about Collective. Tell the audience about Collective. Tell us what, you, what you've what got going on. Uh, so many exciting things. Tell us about it. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So Collective, we're a uh, portfolio platform that connects creators to the next opportunity. People like to coin us as like LinkedIn for creators, right? So uh, if you're a creator and you're you're trying to kind of communicate who you are, what you do professionally, and you know, yeah, you may be posting on TikTok and on Instagram and like all of that's great, but how are you quantifying that value and getting it to employers in a way that they can digest in a way that they understand, right? Um, I think LinkedIn was great, you know, 10 years ago when, you know, any and everybody was trying to figure out how am I taking my resume and putting that online. I think we're at a point now where people are kind of like, I don't know if LinkedIn really communicates and personifies who I am, especially as a creator, right? And we're looking at this Gen Z audience you know, us and all of our, you know, horizontal network connections are not operating on LinkedIn, right? Um, and it's kind of become more of like interactive yellow pages for us to like look up business people, right? And gotcha. so I think us and looking at this new market, there's really an open door when we're looking at that intersection of, you know, the Gen Z workforce, which is mm. going to be around 30% of the overall overall global workforce in the next nine years. And they're going to be looking for a place to be connecting with each other, to be connecting mm-hmm. with employers. And employers are going to be wondering, you know, where are those people, right? And I think yeah, that's already yeah. starting to happen. You're seeing all these people blow up on all these platforms where they're like, hey, how do I reach these people at scale? Like, where are these Gen Zers at? Mm-hmm. And where are they connecting professionally online? And ideally, co- collective is the environment that activity is taking place. That's great. You've worked with some amazing brands, global brands, domestic brands. And can you tell us what, what makes that Gen Z audience so important? Yeah, I think, you know, Gen Z is is craving autonomy, right? In every sense of the word, right? We want to be able to choose, you know, where we work, for who, who we work, when we work, where we work, why we work, and being able to have complete freedom and autonomy over that, right? No matter what your trade is, whether you're a videographer and or a photographer, and so maybe you're a freelancer, and so you're used to creating a Wix account and, you know, having people operate with you in that way, right? Or if you're a finance person, or let's say you're a CPA like my mom, and around tax season, you know, you're doing the whole, you know, neighborhood and the whole blocks like taxes. What does it look like for you to communicate who you are, what you do, be able to kind of, you know, have this way of contextualizing a lot of this activity for people to be able to find you and, and, and connect. And so I think we're all moving towards autonomy in when it comes to, yes, I work for this company, but I am the real asset, right? Like me as Kelsey Davis, I independently have these skills, these values, these these interests, and I am choosing to license them to collective during my position as founder CEO, right? You're choosing to then license this as your your skills as Eric and your role then as a as a podcaster, right? So it's like, what does that then look like if we now have the tools and the autonomy to be able to choose all, all these things for ourselves and then give the brands the ability to tap into us, right? Like, I think it's a lot more, we're moving towards a way more bottom-up structure than top-down, right? We used to be the ones banging on people's doors, you know, uh, you know, trying to, hey, how can I find a job? How can I find talent? You know, and I still think that's the case, but there's so many more opportunities, you know, for brands to post opportunities, for you to find opportunities, like, this whole talent pool is being democratized. And so it's making brands and recruiters work harder to communicate their value now um, to these people, right? And so right. there's kind of this even playing field that's happening. So, yeah. 
You, you mentioned something interesting there, Kelsey, about brands and, and companies now marketing their value. And as a hiring manager, I see that a lot now where it's much more of a partnership between a potential person who's going to come into the company and a brand, right? In terms of they both have to now market themselves to each other for, for that partnership to work, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, I think that's the goal. And I think that that's kind of that double consensual playing field, I think allows markets to scale ultimately. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think ultimately that's all what we want, right? Like we, we do want to work for these organizations, right. Uh, But we also do want to be able to have autonomy over our relationship with what that work looks like. And I think when you look at platforms like Uber, I think that's great because you're able to kind of dictate and decide when I want to work. Okay. Do I want to drive during these hours? And then when you want to drive, you just hop in your car and you start picking up rides. When you want to be done for the day, you just make the decision to do that. But Uber's technology and their marketplace framework gives both the driver and the rider complete autonomy over their experience when they choose to open the app. And I think in a similar way, we're going to be seeing that level of hyper-democratization in a lot of different industry spaces when there's a a person that's like sharing the need, like, hey, I have a need, I, I need a ride. And okay, I have a I have a job or I have a car, right? I think that relationship in across of, of of so many industries, right? You see that with Airbnb, you know, you see that with Uber. I think that's going to continue um, also in this recruitment workforce conversation as well. Gotcha, gotcha. What do you love about being a founder and a CEO? Everything we've talked about, autonomy, right? <laughs> like um, I think just being able to just really kind of parallel, you know, my mission, vision, and values as an individual, as Kelsey Davis, with those mission, vision, and values of then what we're building as collective. And then from there, you know, we have our product team and, and our, our members who then inform the way that we take that mission, vision, and values, and, and we articulate that through the actual technology and the product that we're building, right? So I think also having that autonomy of being able to step away from it and give those stakeholders control over the direction it goes. And then for me, it's just a matter of, you know, making sure that we're aligned with that overall vision, mission, and, and the values along the way that we're doing it, you know, culturally. So I think for me, you know, going back to kind of my love and desire and passion for being able to ideate and being able to see these problems and to, you know, strategize around these solutions and then being able to literally see that articulated through the result of a product that's built that then serves a larger audience that's going to engage with it. Like that's that's what made me, you know, desire to be a filmmaker and, and be a director and go to one of the top film schools. It's what now desires me to want to be a founder and to make products, ideally build a top product so that services this larger creator, you know, economy. So I think that's what for me, I love being a founder. I love, you know, me and my co-founder, we live together here in LA. We just recently graduated from Syracuse University. And, you know, I jokingly say as a 24-year-old, like, what else would we want to be doing right now? You know, this is the fun life. So we're having fun. I hear that. I hear that. So as you and your co-founder think about the future of Collective, what does the next 9, 12, 15 months look like for you all? Yeah, you know, scale, right? Like our goal is to be, you know, the number one platform where, you know, workers are going to effectively communicate who they are and what they do. I mean, to be that home base where they go to then connect with any opportunity they're looking for. I think right now, you know, it's, it's great we're hopping into this, you know, 2021 world where you could do all these different things online and you could be on all these different platforms, but it's kind of fragmented our identity so much so online that a lot of that data is not being quantified into legitimate value that then employers or whoever can then use to make a decision if they want to engage with you. 
they're having to kind of go to all these different places and see these fragments of who you are in all these different environments. But that's not too digestible for someone, right? So how do we create that socio-professional identity where we're taking all that activity that's going on for that worker and bridging it all into one place? Like our goal in the next 12 to nine to 12 months is effectively kind of being the leader around doing that is ultimately our goal. And, and I think that that goes down into our name again as a collective, right? There's so many themes around that. Uh, one of those, you know, being literally being that place where you can collect and store all of this data that you have that exists online and to, to, to be able to have that all in one place that communicates who you are and what you do effectively. So that's the, the roadmap or things that get us there. Exciting. Kelsey, I want to ask you about some of your experiences uh, sort of coming up and the experiences of, of working with uh, a lot of different people in the industry, you know? So as a young CEO, as a young founder, have you ever handled issues of discrimination? And if so, how did you handle those? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think that's just like part of the human experience, right? Um, And so I think the way that those have been classified, I think happen, even though they may feel a little less direct or they may happen in more subtle ways, I think in, in this environment, they exist nonetheless. I think for me, it's about how do we democratize and even the playing field to where the decisions that we're making around engaging with someone are based on the variables that uh, the people actually want those decisions to be based made off of them. So let's say they're off of their skills, off of their content, off of things that are literal like data points to then say, hey, is this person you know qualified to do this job and to do this task? And I think a lot of that really has to do intrinsically with the way that you're building your products with culture, with integrity, and with scale in mind, right? And I think a lot of times people will often try to say, hey, you know, or we're not focused on DEI today, you know, we'll focus on that in year two or year three, right? Or we're not focused on, you know, whatever. But I think, you know, the cool thing about tech is that whatever it is that you're building from day one, like is scaling, right? So if we're not prioritizing that, like, yeah, we could potentially build that in at the 18 month, you know, 24 month milestone. But at that point, like, is this a crucial part of the infrastructure? Or is this just kind of a sidecar thing that we're doing because we know that we have to? And so I think for me, it's really about how can I create an environment and a space where, yes, we know that, you know, people are going to be people, life is going to happen, and people are going to come into this environment in a way that maybe isn't with our, you know, values that we try to personify and try to uphold. And I think it's our responsibility at that point to take action, right? To, to figure out how are we all the time, like realigning and even learning as time goes on, like how we could just be better, do better. And, you know, yeah. yeah that's great. So you live with your co-founder. Tell us about like, I'm imagining you're inspirational to each other a little bit. And sometimes you help push each other. But who are some other folks that like help to sort of push you along the way or, or provided guidance as you've been coming up? Almost mentors, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, definitely we have an incredible just like advisory mentor, you know, investor network from Techstars, Google, as well as some of our advisors in the early days. I feel like he hates when I shout him out, but I'm going to say John Jackson. He's like been just one of our most crucial people from day one. And I, I talk to him on a, on a weekly basis. But yeah, I, I would just say, I think, you know, for us, we've been hyper intentional about plugging ourselves into communities and networks that just naturally support our growth by just natural existence in them. So for example, the Blackstone Launchpad at Syracuse, they're like a college entrepreneur network and that's across the country. Techstars was, you know, the way that we essentially made it out to LA. Like we knew that we wanted to move to LA, but we wanted to do it in a, in a way and with a group that felt 
was inclusive and we really felt like we were co-creating uh, in the local environment that we were becoming a part of. So Techstars gave us the avenue to do that then and now we're doing that with Google now. And so I think it's always better to just surround yourself with people that are better than you, smarter than you and who have done things before. Because, you know, yes, you can learn things from experience, but you can also learn things from like, you know, prehistoric data as well. Yeah, that's that makes perfect sense. What are you reading and what are you sort of following to sort of stay Ooh, informed? I'm I'm a James Baldwin ride or die. So I'll like ride with anything he's he's talking about. Who else am I reading? Um I, I, I just finished his book on like ADHD and entrepreneurship by one of my old professors at Syracuse, actually. And so that's really, really great. His name's John Torrance. He wrote a book basically that's like on that intersection. I have ADHD. And so I think, you know, being able to understand how you could use that as a superpower as a founder CEO is 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 crucial. What advice would you have to uh, any other sort of young founder out there that's looking to start their own company? Yeah, I think it's very important to like know yourself. That's what I'll say. Like do the work on like really deeply understanding who you are, what are your triggers, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, doing all of those things because like that's so crucial, not only on a day-to-day level to help you like just know how to engage with people, but also to know how to build around you, right? Because I know I have ADHD, because I know that I operate in certain ways, whatever, like I need to know how to build for that. That's like something that's managed and controlled. Um, Mm -hmm. If that's something that I'm not aware of, then it could be something that's still like, happening but now it's like chaos because we're not we're not aware of that now it's just calling spillage now or it's like i don't know so it's like you know being able to know yourself also helps you be able to make clear decisions you have more clarity across the board when you're even doing simple things like ideating on your product roadmap or thinking about you know hiring or whatever i think if you're focused a lot on the internal work i think it just allows you to help you know getting past your own Fear is better, quicker, you know, the right things to think about and to entertain and not to. And I just think those are those are really smart things. And this is a long race, right? Like, I think a lot of founders just like, oh, let me just come in and try to start up an idea. It's like, yo, like you could be in this thing for like <laughs> seven to 10. You know, you got to really understand how to obviously, yes, you know, run sprint to sprint to sprint. But how are you making sure that we like we win the war and not just the battles, you know? So I think being able to focus on on yourself and your capacity to win the war and to figure out what that looks like as opposed to just like burnout is super important also. Gotcha. All right. Fun question. I love asking every guest that we have on the podcast. Give me the top three apps that you use on your phone, but you can't name email, calendar, or text messaging. Are those your top three apps? No, no, no. They're just... (laughs) They're, they're default apps, like, you know, wow. everyone's going to name them, but they're default apps. You said email, text, and... Um, Calendar. So top three, I would probably say Twitter for sure. All right. I don't want to say Instagram, but I feel like I just have to. Oh, no, no. Let me say Slack. Does Slack count? Yeah, that's good. That's fine. All right. I'll, I'll do Slack. And then uh, KuCoin. Some crypto. Ah, uh, okay. There we go. That's oh, a new one for us, Eric. That's nice. a new one that's for right. us. That's right. <laughs> Well, Kelsey, thanks so much for hanging with us and, and spending some of your time with us. It's, it's been a, a lot of fun. A lot of times our audience likes to stay in touch or follow you. Yeah, for sure. Um, you could follow me on Twitter at Humbly Kels is my Twitter. So Humbly, like H-U-M-B-L-Y and Kels, K-E-L-S. And then if you want to learn more about Collective or just be in the know about what we're doing, you could find us at collective.com. We spell that C-L-L-C-T-V-E. 
collective no vows except for the e at the end and yeah excellent thanks again and everyone thanks for listening to another episode you can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video just search minority report podcast and look below thanks